Yes, people, welcome to another episode of Echo Chamber. This week, oh man, we've got, um, yeah, we've got a good few films for you this week, man. I think we're um, doing a two-parter. Both will drop today, so it's all good. But before we do anything, <laughs> let us get to the UK Box office top 10 for the weekend of the 30th October to the 1st of November. And it looks like we've got a um, couple of new entries this week, I believe. So at number 10, we have got Pixie. So this is from Barnaby Thompson. It's starring Olivia Cook. Alex Baldwin, Ben Hardy, and Colin Meaney. So at number nine, still holding in there, we've got Rose Glasses St. Maud, which stars Molidif Clark, Mofflid, Molif Clark, Jennifer Ely. Uh, so at number eight, our first new entry, and it's a it's a re-entry really because it's the 40th anniversary of John Carpenter's Halloween so you know Jamie Lee Curtis and crew all doing their thing in that one so at number 7 we've got Cats and Dogs Free, Paws Unite from Sean McNamara and um, starring Sarah Giles, Max Greenfield, Princess Davis, George Lopez, all lending their voices to our crew of cats and dogs. So, at number six, the stellar new film that's been killing it from Christopher Nolan. That's right, people, it is Tenant. And it's starring Elizabeth Debicki, Robert Patterson, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Clement Posey, and John David Washington. At number five, our second new entry. It is the uh, remake. I'm not sure if it's a remake or a uh, extension of the story, but... It's Zoe Lister-Jones's The Craft Legacy. So this version is starring David Duchovny, Gideon Adlon, Michelle Monaghan, and Callie Spani. So yeah, at number four, people, we have Mark Murden's Secret Garden. Starring Dixie Egerick, Richard Hansley, David Vary, and Tommy Gear Sturridge. So right, that means number whoosh, number three people. We've got Honest Thief. This is Mark Williams' new film, starring Liam Neeson. 
Kate Walsh, Jay Courtney, and Jeffrey Donovan. At number two, it means we have another classic. Oh, some people call it a classic. It is Kenny Ortega's Hocus Pocus. Starring Bette Midler, Sarah's Jessica Parker, Ormi Katz, and Kathy Nami. So that means, people, at number one, we've got 2 by 2 Overboard. So this is from Toby Genkel and Sean McCormack. It's got a voice cast of Max Carolan, Ava Connolly, Dermot Maganese, and Tara Flynn. So, people, that is it for the top 10. Before we get into our films, let's get a little bit of information, okay? Sit back, people, and let's go. Independent cinema pop-up screens is back this winter, taking over Peckham's popular boozy building with a season of exciting and immersive events taking place from from the 23rd of October to the 20th of December. The pop-up Peckham series will feature scary screenings in a forbidden forest, Belly laughs at the first ever Peckham Comedy Festival, a half-term family film fest, and the return of Cinema in the Snow, a stunning cinematic Christmas experience set in a magical snow-filled wonderland. The Forbidden Forest Cinema, which takes place the 23rd of October to the 15th of November, it's kicking off the schedule of events will be um, a collection of immersive Fright Night Halloween screenings. Visitors must brave their way through a forbidden forest before discovering an eerie woodland cinema, the perfect setting for their favourite film. Films include Halloween horror favourites such as A Nightmare on Elm Street, Hereditary, It, Beetlejuice, Scream, The Shining and The Blair Witch Project as well as cult classics like Donnie Darko, Rocky Horror Picture Show, From Dusk Till Dawn, Labyrinth and The Craft. Half-term screenings of Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Onward, Myuna, Minions and Toy Story 4 will also be part of the schedule coupled with a family friendly magical adventure through the mysterious forest. Adult tickets will be priced from £22 including all fees with concessions for family tickets and half term screenings. A limited amount of VIP tickets will also be made available at £27.50 again including all fees, premium seats and a drink. Other announced events that will follow later in the year include Peckham Comedy Festival the 19th to the 22nd of November and the return of Cinema in the Snow 
which is the 27th of November to the 20th of December. Okay, so the booking information are in the episode details. So if you fancy some cinema in a forest, some snow and comedy, go and check it out. Okay, people, if you are enjoying all the new films hitting Shudder this October, well, November is definitely going to be another treat for you. Uh, As the platform launches some new original, yeah, new original content. On the 5th of November is a blood vessel, right? So, um... It stars Nathan Phillips, Elisa Sutherland, Robert Taylor. It's directed by Justin Dix. And it's basically this. Somewhere in the North Atlantic, late 1945, a life raft adrift at sea. And in it, the survivors of a torpedoed hospital ship. With no food, water or shelter, all seems lost until a seemingly abandoned German minesweeper drifts ominously towards them, giving them one last chance at survival if they can survive the bloodthirsty monsters on board. Hmm. So, on the 12th of November, then you're getting a lingering, a.k.a. Hotel Lake. So, um... Yeah, this is from director Yoon Eun Koyong. It stars Lee Si Young um, and Park Ji Yoon. So, seeking support as the guardian of a younger brother, Yoon Mi returns to a small hotel run by a family friend. As bizarre incidents creep up on in her mother's old room, you me will have to unravel the supernatural mystery and discover the truth before it's too late. Ah, uh, so then on the nineteenth of November is a um a documentary. It's called Leap of Faith: William Friedkin on the Exorcist. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's from uh, director Alexandra O. Philippe, and um, of course, it's starring William Friedkin. So, um, a lyrical and spiritual cinematic essay on The Exorcist. Leap of Faith explores the uncharted depths of William Friedkin's mind's eye, the nuances of his filmmaking process, and the mysteries of faith and fate that have shaped his life and filmography. The film marks the sit feature documentary from Philippe, um, continuing his thoughtful analysis of iconic genre films. Yeah. And then, people, on the 24th of November, you will be getting porno. So, this is uh, from Keila Rasalela. Okay, um, and it's starring Robbie Tan, Caitlin Pierce, 
Evan Davies, Laura Saperstein, um, Gillian Muller, and Glenn Slot. So, when five repressed teen employees at a local movie theatre in a small Christian town discover a mysterious old film hidden in its basement, they unleash an alluring demon that is determined to give them a sex education. Written in blood. Bom, bom, bom. So, uh, yeah. There's some uh, definitely new stuff coming in November. You're getting some old films as well. So, um, Urban Legend. That will be hitting. Um, along with Salem's Lot. The old Stephen King film. They'll be coming on the 2nd of uh, November. Um, yeah, and a, a lot of other stuff, people. So, if you don't have it, might be time for you to uh, go check out Shudder. Okay, people. So, now we are done with all of that. Let's get to this week's reviews. Okay, so sometimes, sometimes things just, you know, come upon you, right? Uh, you know, like you end up watching films that you normally wouldn't. And um, yeah, today, today, people, I checked out a Christmas gift from Bob. Yeah, not my normal fare, but, um, you know, it's a Christmas film, and <sighs> every year I try and find that Christmas spirit. Never do, but, you know, always make the attempt, right? Um, look, I know my mum really liked the the first film, right? She She, yeah. She thought a street cat named Bob was great. Yeah, it always pressured me, like, you would love it. Check it out. Watch it. Ah. So, you know, I thought, hey, I will check this out. And I can let her know if it's worth, um, you know, giving a perusal to. So, uh, yeah. It's, um, you know, a, a lot of the same crew are involved. Right, so uh, this, yeah, it's directed by Charles Martin Smith, who, you know, really does seem like a fitting director for this. When you look at a lot of the stuff that he's done in the past, like Air Bud, you know, A Dolphin Tale, you know, that sort of stuff, which, yeah, it, 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 it fits. Right, it, it definitely fits. And crazy enough, he launched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, interesting. Uh, so it is written and executive produced by Gary Jenkins. Uh, it is produced by Adam Rolston, Tracy Jarvis, Steve Jarvis. Andrew Boswell and Sonny Vora. And the film, well, 
obviously, it stars Bob the Cat. Yeah, the original Bob the Cat. Uh, then we've got Luke Treadwell, who reprises his role as James Bowen. We have uh, Christina Tonteri Young as Bea, who is um, a support work support worker charity worker uh we've got nina wadia who plays annika who um a tfl staff member angel um we've got tim pestler as leon stephen mccall as mark padut sharma as moody uh, shop assistant, shop owner, even, um, Daisy Badger, <laughs> great name, uh, she plays a Becky the Vet, uh, you know, a few other, other people thrown in there, um, yeah, including Anna Wilson-Jones, who plays Arabella, who is Basically, their version of Delia Smith, as it were. Um, so, the... Well, people, the gist of, uh, you know, this this old flick is... Uh, it's... If you don't know, right? It's based on the international best-selling books. And, um... Oh, they're calling it the perfect Christmas sequel to the international hit film A Street Cat Named Bob and it follows James and his best friend Bob on their new journey together. From the day James Bowen rescued a street cat abandoned in the hallway of his sheltered accommodation they became, began a friendship which has transformed both their lives and touched millions around the world. So in this new film, A Christmas Gift from Bob, James looks back at the last Christmas he and Bob spent scraping a living on the streets and how Bob helped him through one of his toughest times, providing strength, friendship and inspiration. Ultimately, teaching each other about the true meaning of Christmas spirit along the way. I mean, I'd say James learned what Bob actually learned. I don't, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But he stuck around. So I guess there's something there, right? So the film opens up and we've got James attending a fancy Christmas do. So it's uh, for, you know, the publishing house, right? They, uh, they announce that he's writing a sequel to a, a street cat named Bob and everyone's very pleased. What was kind of fun was um, they did do some shots 
that were, I guess it's meant to be kind of from Bob's point of view, right? Um, and that was, yeah, that was interesting. Um, they did do some over-the-shoulder shots, though, which just seemed a bit like, uh, like, just, you know what I mean? Just stick with the cat view, right? The, go, going over the shoulder just seems a bit, bit of an odd one, really. But, yeah, so we're at the party, um, and he, he wants to, um, you know, get out of there as soon as possible, really. He feels like a fish out of water. And so he leaves. And as he leaves, so he's, he's walking through Covent Garden, which I guess was one of his busking spots. And uh, he stumbles, well, he's standing there looking at the lights and he hears a commotion. So he goes around the corner and a busker is getting bullied, as you say, by... I'm not quite sure what they were, because they're not police, but there's some sort of council authority or something. But they've got this guy, there's three of them, and they pin this guy down, and um, he comes over to help, and he knows the main guy from previous runnings himself. But he, uh, you know... As he, you know, he's busked and all of that, so he knows laws and things like that. So he helps the guy out. And it kind of goes from there, really. You know, he, he takes him for something to eat, and, you know, it's, it's the typical kind of situation. He offers help. The guy threatens to leave us. He doesn't need, you know, some help from a do-gooder. But then Bob, but then James is all, oh, I'll, I'll give you a story. Just let me tell you something and then, you know, then you can either go or stay. It's your choice. And then we fall into um, the film. Which, you know, I, it's not a bad setup, as it were, I guess. And, uh, yeah, then we kind of go into... Everything that's going down. Now, I haven't seen the first film. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know how much of it we've seen before. Or anything like that. I'm assuming that some of the people, we, you know, probably were in the first film. Right? Like, um, Anika, Bay. I have a feeling they must have been in the first film. Um, and then a few of the other big issue sellers and, and whatnot. You know, maybe Mick and and what. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't really feel that, you know, I needed to go back drastically to, to fill in blanks or anything. It's all pretty, it's pretty much covered. Right. Um, now, I did think that it's it's kind of writing by numbers. Right. It, it just seemed it's a very cookie cutter. 
You know, he's definitely very cookie cutter, very simplistic. Everyone is kind of dropping those, you know, moral statements. You know, it's just some of the corny lines that you hear. You know, like, um, <sighs> Christmas. It's just for families and loved ones. It really brings out the emotions, doesn't it? You know, it's just stuff like that that you're just like, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. But, but, right, when you, when you consider the target audience and everything like that, yeah, I'd say, you know, that's fine, right? It works for that. Like, even with, you know, the acting is a little, I don't know, it's a little safe, right? So, at the very beginning, when he's at this Christmas party, he bumps into a, another author, Jacqueline Wilson, who is an actual children's author, I believe. And um, just that interaction is, oh my gosh, it's very clunky. It is very clunky. Um, and, a, you know, it just feels a little forced, but I think that kind of lets you know what you're in store for, right? So, yes, there are a lot of these interactions that just, you know, like, so we've got James and Bay throughout the film, it, it's, you know, I guess they're playing with this kind of situation, right? But I think as it's a kid's film, they they do keep it in check pretty much, which, you know, I do commend them for. But we do get a little something at the end, which you just think, okay, that's, you know, that's possibly going to get explored in a third film. If we get a third film, you know, uh, but they, yeah, they, they keep it pretty tight this time around. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of these, uh, like, it, uh, like when James meets Arabella, you know, like it's one of those things where, you know, okay, this is going to lead into something later on, right? There's a lot of that, it, you know, it, you don't need to be clairvoyant to see where this film is going, you know what I mean, and I think it's, you could say they're a little heavy-handed with the moral messaging, you know, like, uh, I guess, you know, there's a lot of uh, do unto others as you wish done to you, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, there's a lot of that, you know, all, all the way through, just the whole thing, like the whole situation with animal protection, it's a little bit odd, right? Especially with the way they go about things. And you're just like, are they, are they really going this hard? You know, like they, they play certain simple things out. And I think they make a, a bigger deal out of them. But this is the thing. As, like, I'm assuming the film is geared to the younger audience. You know what I mean? So, it's a family flick. So, 
it works in that context because you're kind of just enforcing these messages for the kids, right? Be a good person, like treat other people correctly, you know? You do nice things, nice things will eventually come back to you. You know, so they're showing us that. And yeah, like for kids, like the I think these things are helpful, right? The these things, you know, they're not bad. It's not bad to, you know, see this kind of stuff, right? It can only help, right? I mean, that was the gist of a lot of stuff in the 80s, you know, in the, I think I've mentioned it before, you know, in all the cartoons, there were always these moral messages, at the end of He-Man, it'd be like, hey, so, hi guys, in this episode, me and Orko fell out, but as you saw, we talked, and we mended fences, and that's what you should do, so, you know, I mean, like, yeah, there was a lot of that, and, you know, when you see these things over and over again, I guess it helps counterbalance a lot of the negativity that's in the news, so, you know, like, you can, you can look at this, and I, I think those things negate the bad, right, they, they negate some of the, you know, wooden acting, like, a lot of the, you know, clunky dialogue and stuff like that, because you just go, okay, right, it, it, it's the level this is aiming at, all of this works, you know, you can see kids enjoying this, right, you, you definitely see that, a load of little kids watching watching a film about a guy who's got a cat on his shoulders. Yeah, they're going to love that. So, you know, as a family film, a gift from Bob, I think it will uh, hit the spot, right? Make those little ones happy. So, yeah, if, um, you know, you want to take, you want to take the, the rug rats out, keep them occupied, for a period of time, and that period of time, people, is, um, it's about 90 minutes, you know what I mean, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's not, that's not bad, right, so, uh, yeah, you can, uh, take them to this, and not worry about bad language, or any of that stuff, you know, it's a wholesome flick, right, so, a gift from Bob, you know, it does what it says on the tin, well, I mean, it doesn't really say anything on the tin, it just says a gift from Bob, but, uh, yeah, if your cat's like, well, if your cat's, if your kid's like animals, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, th this will work, if they like the first film, I'd assume that they will dig this, you know, if they like stuff like, you know, Air Bud, you know, Garfield, you know, that sort of stuff, then, yeah, a gift from Bob is the ticket, 
So it comes out Friday the 6th of November. Uh, it will hit some cinemas, right? I think it's got a limited release in cinemas. But on the same day, people, if you can't get out of the house, if you're still, you know, being cautious, it's all good. Because, um, yeah, this will be hitting all of those, um, you know, streaming sites. So, yeah, iTunes, Amazon, just wherever you get your films, you will be able to find this. So, uh, yeah, people, a gift from Bob, Friday the 6th of November, it's a 12A, okay? It's, uh, yeah, it's a family flick, people, so have fun, marshmallows, hot chocolate, all snuggled up. Yeah, this is a ticket for you people. Okay, enjoy. I think that, um, you know what I mean? This time of year when you're walking around and you're seeing all the Christmas shit. So much Christmas shit. You know what I mean? It's crazy. We've only just literally hit November. But, hey. It, you know what I mean? It was still there. It Like, I was seeing shit in September. But, yeah, as you get deeper in, yeah, it, it, it fucks with your head, right? Fucks with your head. So you make some odd choices. <laughs> That's what I will say. You know what I mean? That's why I did this. I kind of feel. Yeah, it, yeah you're, you're off kilter. Um, so yeah, because of that, people, I figured, oh, you know what, let me check out Holiday on Netflix. <laughs> I mean, yes, also, late night really doesn't help, you know what I mean, where you're just like sitting there thinking, ugh, I can't sleep, what am I gonna do? Ugh, okay, fine, I'll watch this. So yeah, I checked out um, holiday, you know, and, um, <sighs> it is, I mean, it's like a festive, romantic comedy, right, looking at holidays and all of that shenanigans, um, so it's directed by John Whitsell, and I think that probably should have been the big clue right there, and he directed Calendar Girl and Big Mama's House too. I mean, if that doesn't give you an indication, I don't know what will. And yeah, I didn't put two and two together. So he directed it. It's produced by um, Mary Viola and Muk G. I still kind of figure, like, you're way too old to be calling yourself Muk G, son. You know what I mean? Use your proper fucking name. Come on. But, um, yes, Joseph McGinty Nickel, he does not. <laughs> uh, so, Tiffany Paulson wrote the film. Uh, music is Dan the Automator. Cinematography is Shane Holbutt. Um, and it is starring... Okay, so our cast of um, 
likely hoodies are Emma Roberts. So she stars as Sloane. Uh, we've got Luke Bracey as Jackson. And yes, people, they are our main characters. Um, so we also have Jessica Capshaw as Abby. You know? Um, hmm. We've got Jake Manley as York. You know, Sloane's brother. Um, yeah, and, you know, Abby's Sloane's sister. We have Cynthia Wu as Liz, you know, York's girlfriend. Um, Christina Chenweth, who, uh, yeah, was surprised to see in this. Um, she plays Sloane's Aunt Susan. And then you've got other people. So we have, um, like, Alex Moffat as Peter, Abby's husband. Um, Manish Dale as Farouk, a love interest. Uh, Francis Fisher as Elaine. Dan Lure as Wally. Nicola Peltz as Felicity. Julian Marlon as Luke the Ex. Yeah, just a few people's like that, right? Um, and the gist of the program is this. Okay, so Sloane and Jackson hate the holidays. Their enduring singleton leaves them subject to the judgment of their meddling family members or stuck with clingy awkward dates on each festive occasion. When these two meet, they pledge to be each other's plus ones for each holiday celebration over the course of the year. And so, yes, we start off with Christmas. Okay, so we get Sloane turning up at the family abode. Um, you know, she's single, so her mum is just like, oh, where's your day and all of this? Right, you know, all of the, her, her sister and her brother are both like, oh, didn't you call the guy? We tried to set you up with a guy, you know, oh, are you sad? Just, you know, just all the typical stuff. And, uh, you know, she sat at the kids' table, everything like that. Um, and Jackson turns up uh, with his girlfriend at her parents' house. Because we, you know, transition over there. And, um, yeah. So, we're, we're, we're letting um, known at the beginning that they this is their third date. Or maybe the fourth date. They've had three previous. There's three in there, right? And, you know, they turn up. And it's just, he obviously isn't as into the relationship as the girlfriend is. Right, so the parents are making this big deal out of it and all of that. She buys him a present. He doesn't get her one. And then it all goes crazy from there. Right, which is the thing that brings them both together. Right, so because Sloane gets a Christmas present and he's got his Christmas present... Neither of them like them, so they go to the mall to, uh, you know, 
get their money back. And yeah, that's how they kind of meet. And uh, I don't know. I don't know people. I mean, I would say that it does kind of, you know, it gets the holiday. Well, I mean, when we say holiday, right, is probably mainly Christmas and New Year. And that these can be a bit shitty, right? They could definitely be a bit shitty because it's all they're always sold around family. You know what I mean? Like especially Christmas. It's that huge holiday that is always sold like, oh, it's best with your family and your loved ones and blah 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 blah. So if you are single, it does kind of make you feel a little shit. Right? That you're the odd one out. So, it, you know, I'd say it captures that. Right? But then from there we do hit the cliches. We really do hit the cliches. Like, you know, Sloane, her sister Abby, she's got, you know, kid, three kids. Three kids? Is it four kids? It's three or four kids. There's a few kids. And... Obviously, one of those kids is the observant, older-than-her-years type. You know, that's always, Oh, Aunt Sloane, why are you single? Oh, you should really be more open. And You know what I mean? Just all of that, right? She, she's got a boyfriend. You know, so then you've got the aunt thinking, Oh, I'm so much older and she's already got a boyfriend. Oh. I feel terrible. Rah, 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 rah. So yeah, we have that, right? Then you have the whole she stumbles into an ex that she's still not kind of over, and that's how her and Jackson really kind of hit it. You know what I mean? It it's just these same old, same old, same old situations which do get a little tired. You get a little tired. You know, it's, it's, they're not really giving us anything new. And I think it's one of those situations as well that it would be good if they came at certain things from a different angle at times. You know, like with J the whole Jackson thing at Christmas. You go to a partner's place at Christmas. You you kind of are saying that, yeah, I, I, I look at you in a certain way. Now, it, it, look, I'm not saying that it's, you know, we are going to be together kind of thing. But it's definitely, it's a long ass, you know what I mean? It's a good few days. So you, you wouldn't go somewhere for that period of time if you didn't really care because you've got to put up with the parents and you know the other relatives and all of that so I think everyone knows that right everyone's got that inclination and also if you're going so you're staying at people's houses right so they're going to cook for you you know water you all of that you bring something Right? You bring something. So it's kind of that as an indication of, oh, the girlfriend's weird, isn't really, you know what I mean? 
it's like he he understood like there was certain things that he knew going in and he fucked up so i i think like just show it a little different you feel me um so we have this and you never get like them just tell the parents be like listen stop just seriously shut the fuck up i'm living my life yo you know do that right because these are grown-ass people grown-ass people that can't make proper decisions it's weird and uh, like the whole oh did we have sex or didn't we have sex i think you, you yeah you there's there's differently things that would give you an indication right so and I think we have there's played out shit like mixing up laxatives with other medication, you know, like uh, uh, someone having a secret that then you blurt out in front of everyone. It, it, it's just certain things that are like, ah, uh, can we do this a little differently? Come on, a little differently? Bring us something or just add a few better jokes, right? A few, there's the whole finger thing, it's not really funny. And there's always that thing with when they have people smoke weed in films, right? And people always act the same, always the same. And it's just like, yo, you do understand that it it affects people differently. You know know what I mean? affects people differently man not everyone is the same like that it's so weird i i think one of the worst parts is towards the end when it's just like i realized that i didn't just want a holiday i just wanted you it's just like ah fuck they said it they did it why did they do it god damn you know and in that end sequence when she's just pushing everyone like no one no one really just like yo what the fuck are you because let's be let's be honest and it's at that time of year when everyone is just amped up and crazy as hell someone would have fucked her up <laughs> you know I mean someone is fucking her up for pushing them out the way. You know what I mean? Let's let's be real, man. Come on. So yeah, there is that. I mean, like performance-wise, you know, some of the performances weren't bad. Like, I have to say, um, like Manish Dale is Farouk. Hey, you know, he handled his role pretty well. And so did um Chenworth. I mean, she's yeah, I mean, she's a proper ass vet. So yeah, she was always gonna be um good. Like Cynthia Wu, she was decent as Liz. I will say, right, that whole wedding sequence with her and the dad and then hearing they'd be like oh they don't understand the words of the song because they're foreign 
Oh man, come on people, come on people, I think we've moved past those real hacky jokes, Ay, god damn, you know what I mean, oh yeah, you know, we had a few decent performances, like Roberts and um, Bracey, I, uh, yeah, they were okay. I, I mean, to be honest, their, their roles aren't exactly, um, you know, they're not deep end of the swimming pools. <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of depth there. Those characters are pretty much puddles. So, you know, I guess you can't really be that mad with that shit. Again, with um, Andrew Bachelor's Neil... It is a pretty one-dimensional character. So, it, it, in that effect, they did, you know, they did what they needed to do, okay? I would say, right, that this is probably, I, I probably the fact that I hate Christmas, that could have colored my opinion of this. Maybe. Just maybe but i um probably if you are into ooh things like desperado right if you're a fan of that i believe that came out last year you know if that was um a, a good you know you enjoyed that um also, Home for the Holidays. How was that? Um, no, Home for uh, Home for Christmas. Was that Norwegian? I think it was Norwegian, right? Uh, TV series that hit Netflix last year. Um, and Merry Happy Whatever. Right, if you're a fan of those type of things, I think this, you know, Holiday that's for you, right, I mean, they tonally, you know, joke-wise, concept-wise, all of that shenanigans, yeah, that would speak to, um, you know, the holiday crew, right, the people that uh, this is really aiming at, so yeah, if you're a fan of that, if you're a fan of Christmas, and stuff like that, then, yes, I would say that, um, that's for you, people, so, it's on Netflix, you can go check it out, have your festive fun, you know, feel a little warm inside, boom, you, they've got you covered, alright, so, um, yeah, Go um, embrace the romance of Emma Roberts and Luke Barcy with Holiday. Okay, so if someone says to you, you know what I mean, that they've got a film that mixes cops, kung fu, Leechador wrestlers and zombies together, you're gonna think, 
What the hell? What kind of craziness is this? You know what I mean? So, of course, people, of course, you're gonna wanna check it out. So, I, um, yeah, I took a look at Voodoo Apocalypse, which is, well, it's, you know what I mean, billed as a tribute to 70s Grindhouse. Okay, so it is, um, it's directed by Vasni Ramos, who co-wrote the film, along with Jose J. Ramalo and Sergio G. Ramos. Okay, so the film, it's starring Sergio Ramos as White Chocolate. Yes, that's right, people. White chocolate. It's also starring Jose J. Ramalo as a Charlie Vargas. Um, then we have got a, a, just a flurry of um, yeah, of other actors and actresses in it. We've got uh, Raquel Ryle as Kowalski. She's a detective. Um, along with Tana Gonzalez, who plays Gutenberg, another detective. We've got Jorge Galavan, who plays Black Man, the chief of police. Um, we got Armado Buica, who plays Johnny, who was, um, yeah, White Chocolate. No, no sorry, Charlie Vargas's. Um, old partner. So we got Carla Borico as Claire, Johnny's daughter. Ain't they're the main characters, really? You know. Um. So uh, you know, all the writers basically produced the film. We've got the music by Sarah Lopez, um, Carlos Diaz. Kiki Perdomo and Sergio G. Ramos with cinematography from Gabriel Garcia. Okay, so the gist of the film is, um, yeah, is this people, okay? So, after disappearing for five years, Detective Charlie Vargas returns to Los Angeles to avenge the death of his former partner, Johnny, along with White Chocolate, a young detective with a chip on his shoulder. The two enter a world of black magic, zombies, and Mexican wrestling in search of the infamous drug trafficker and murderer, Jimmy Vanilla. Yeah. That is right, people. Um... Yeah, we got some very interesting character names, you know, which definitely, I think they give you a certain image, right? And I think when you see some of the, 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 the stills and stuff sent out to uh, promote the film, you definitely have an image of something else. So when it started... Yeah, it, it, it was definitely something I wasn't expecting. 
I definitely was not expecting. So we have, um, yeah, we, we basically got white chocolate. He goes into a bar. Uh, now, we're assuming it's Mexico, right? And he's, you know, ah, oh, I'm looking for Charlie Vargas, right? Asking people, but it's one of those situations where everyone, no one wants him there and fights arise. So we, we've got the fights happening, but it's, I mean, it's kind of pantomime fighting. You know what I mean? Like nothing, you, know I mean? you can't believe it's real action. You know what I mean? You're just watching it and you're like, um, what's happening? Like, what is going on? So you kind of think straight away that this is a different, gonna be a different type of film, right? It's gonna be a different type of film, especially when we then get into a wrestling match. Okay, so, you know, the, because, you know, Chocolate finds out where Vargas is. He's participating in a wrestling match. So we cut across to that. So all of that, it, it it's playing out kind of comedically. He's fighting a married couple. And let's see, the woman gives birth. So, um, yeah. I think that tells you, <laughs> that, that, that gives you an idea, people. Gives you an idea of what we're seeing. So it's all a bit odd, right? It's all a bit odd. And on, on top of all of this, it's all subtitled. So I, I'm trying to follow it. But, I mean, just watching it, you kind of, you, you get the gist, right? You really do get the gist of this odd, odd story, um, but basically, the two finally meet up, right, so Vargas and Chocolate meet up, they talk, Chocolate tries to convince Vargas to come back to America, um, yeah, Vargas, he doesn't want to, but, you know, I think you probably... We'll get the gist, right? So, we have all of this. We have all of this kind of odd, odd story taking place. And you're kind of like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's all a little bit baffling, right? Because we have characters that are just... They're a little odd. Everyone's a little odd. Right? So, I think, as, you know, as mentioned, this is, is it's meant to be this homage to Grindhouse. And I think they definitely, you can see that they're trying to do that. Right? They're, they're trying to give us this kind of weird 70s, a mashup type of film, you know, playing a little loose and fast. I mean, the characters, 
are just a bit brash and out there. You know what I mean? But the, I think the problem is that they, they're going a bit too hard in the paint with the, look, we're growing house. You know what I mean? Rather than tell the story, you know what I mean? Like set it up and, and just play it out, right? They, 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 it seems that in every scene, you're getting this, yo, um, did you know we're Grindhouse? Yeah, 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 okay, let's go. That, it seems that we're getting that every time. Like, constantly having to remind us what they're trying to be, you know? And I think that can take you out of things a bit, right? I'd say, like, the score... The score is fun. Yeah, we, we, we get some, yeah, good little music. When new characters appear, there's this little rift plays, these little introductions and everything like that. And then even into the later part of the film, you know, where, um, you know, we got Papa Voodoo playing some music and shit. Like that, it all, it's not bad. You know, it's different, but it's not bad. So from that side of things, you're like, okay, this is this isn't this is alright. Like it's the like the acting is kinda crazy. Acting is kinda crazy, which you you're not quite sure if they're trying to be real serious or if they if they're just going way too hard at trying to chew up the scenes you know i think the script definitely hurts if it, there's a script and the dialogue they're terrible right they are bad they really are bad like the story is so convoluted you're just like what wh what's happening here man Right, I, I'd say that, you know, for a film that's just slightly over an hour and a half, right, it probably could have been done in under an hour. If you really just went with the actual plot, right, and you kind of cut it down. Right, if you if you just cut out some of the meandering craziness, condensed it all, this would be under an hour. And I think it might have worked a bit more. Right, because I, I think one of the things is when you look at recent Grindhouse homages, you know, like, if we just go back to the Tarantino stuff, you know, we've got like the Kill Bills, Planet Terror, Death Proof, Grindhouse, Machete, all of that. It's, it works, but the thing is, they're not kind of constantly trying to be like, oh, check us out, we're Grindhouse. They're just telling these stories using the, the the weird kind of motifs 
in which they frame the story and when you're doing it like that it kind of it it works better you know like hobo with a shotgun you know just all of the stuff like that right and then you can look at kind of more like you know the black exploitation side of things with you know the remakes of shaft and um you know superfly and you know i mean that kind of stuff again it, it it's not this constant trying to wink at the audience and i i think that is what kind of lets voodoo apocalypse down which is a shame because you know as you're watching it you're thinking like technically this this kind of could have been this real fun piece i mean they want to make it this crazy film with a lot of violence and stuff in it but one of the things is like there's a lot of cgi there is a lot of cgi and sometimes you're kind of like oh are they going crazy with the cgi as a little <laughs> look at us because there is a scene when they're driving and the green screen <laughs> kind of falters and you get that weird, you know what I mean? That that kind of crash screen, weird kind of, you know, colored dotty bits. You get that for a few seconds. And you're just like, wait, wait, wait. That's so obvious, they, they would have cut that out of the film. So leaving it in, is that them having some fun here? You know? So with some of it, you're looking at it like, Oh, is that them trying to be, ha-ha, yeah, we got you, people. Or uh, was it just this real low-budget affair and they are trying their hardest to um, tell this story that they kind of feel is a little serious but fun? That's the thing. It's it's hard to tell. Really is, you know. They, they they throw in a lot of like it's weird because you know they they've uh, it, it's like well I I think when you watch old films right there's a lot of kind of jokes around homosexuality and stuff like that. And it's like, hey, what's up with you? Are you gay, son? What? You know what I mean? There's a lot of that. And they're doing that with this. But they're going way hard with it. And you're just be like, yo, what's, what are you doing? You know what I mean? You've been mad over the top with some of your stuff. Yo, like... Yeah, a dude trying to hit on someone else's door. Like, it's all a bit much in places. Right? But, yeah. I get it. The, the problem is it's the intent. And it's just like, what are they trying to do here? And we never... It's hard to tell. Right? So, you don't want to look at this and go, it's just 
terrible. Because I think they they could just be trying to um, be playful, but they're just a little heavy-handed, right? And, you know, I think everyone can stumble. So I think that's the thing. It, it, it's hard to know what they were really trying to do. I think if you are just a, a real big fan of like B movies, C movies, you know, if that is your thing, then I would probably say that, you know, this will work for you, you know? But if you are more into your serious fare and you want a story that, you know, has a certain flow to it, this might not be your film right it's um like if you want to compare it to something that's come out recently so the movie partnership who's putting this out along with more monroe films right um they earlier in the year in march we had vfw now that is more of your straight storytelling grindhouse flick right and if you enjoyed that you know it's yeah it, it, it more toes the line than what this does okay so if you think of it like that but yeah if you just want straight up weird crazy with some subtitles <laughs> that uh yeah voodoo apocalypse you know this will probably be for you okay so it will be out on monday the 9th of november you know you'll be able to pick it up from all your usual digital platforms so amazon google microsoft right um, we've got a pre-order link for iTunes in the uh, episode information. So, uh, yeah, you can grab it all there. It's a 15, okay? So, as I said, look, all the blood is, it's all CGI, right? And there's not a whole heap. You see some heads come off and stuff like that, but it is kind of tame, really. Yeah. So, um, there you have it, people. Voodoo Apocalypse. It's out on Monday the 9th. Do you want some odd grindhouse? That's the question. <laughs> Okay, people, so we draw to a close on another episode. But before we do, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film. Hey, firstly, gotta say a big congrats to um, director Benjamin Ree. 
You know, he um, he recently had the documentary The Painter and the Thief, which we spoke about as part of the BFI London Film Festival. But it, it's just come out that, um, yeah, Neon um, and a couple of other studios have come together and they're, um, yeah, they're making a film version of it. I mean, the story is just crazy so yeah you know so um, I hope that Benjamin um yeah I, I hope he got compensated very well for that but uh okay so we spoke about this um it's one of the first things we actually talked about in Wednesday's Echoes from the Void but uh yeah a quick mention here there's Warner Brothers they've just put out the Witches remake which is, you know, the adaptation of the Ronald Dahl children's book. But a lot of disability advocates have come out against the film, which is a little crazy, right? Now, because they're saying that because the witches have three fingers, it's, it's a clear, you know... Finger up at disabled people And um, yeah, Warner Brothers should be ashamed of themselves Now, the problem with this is Right, in the original book Dull describes the witches as having claw-like and odd hands But the other thing, if you go back in time, right, the original stories about witches, they, yeah, they had, you know, odd number of fingered hands, that was the whole thing, like the hands and your feet would be different, and you know what I mean, it's just over time that they have adapted all of these stories and taken some of the horror out of them like read the original um christian what's it called hans christian anderson you know what i mean and the brothers grim if you read those original you know stories they're not very nice and the, the depictions of a lot of the characters is completely different to what we have now so this is the thing like witches they're not humans so this whole thing that you know what i mean like it, it's bad that they had three fingers they're kind of missing like the point is getting missed and the other thing is it's like the first time if it was a regular occurrence you could go, oh, this is terrible, but, you know what I mean, it's like having, you know, say there's a film and a ginger person is a homicidal maniac, and then anyone that's ginger is just like, oh, that's just wrong, they're just trying to say that all ginger people are homicidal maniacs, no, it's one occurrence, it's one occurrence, so, yeah, I kind of feel that the point has been missed and a lot of these people 
are just using this as a way to um, get their kind of causes center stage in the news right now, right? Anyway, people, let's move on. Okay, so um, yeah, Ben Afron. He's got a new film uh, coming. It is getting um, directed um, and co-written by Anthony Hayes, who's uh, yeah writing it along with Polly Smythe. Now Hayes is also uh, co-starring in the film, um, and we've got John Schwartz and Michael Schwartz producing. So basically, right, um, the film's called Gold And um, it follows two strangers travelling through a desert Who stumble across the biggest gold nugget ever found They hatch a plan to protect and excavate their bounty With one man leaving to secure the necessary equipment to excavate it The other man, played by Efron he remains and must endure harsh desert elements, ravenous wild dogs, and mysterious intruders. Um, whilst battling uh, the elements and contemplating if he's been abandoned to his own fate. So yeah, that will be going into production soon. Um, also, fans of... Um, Oh gosh, what's the names? Justin Jordan and Trad Moore's comic book uh, The Strange Adventures of Luther Strude And its subsequent follow-ups Hey, you should be happy to know that All Nighter have optioned the book To uh, turn it into a film And I suspect Right. If the, the first film does well, they'll adapt the other two graphic novels. Right. Um, so basically, the the story centers around a um, you know a teenager who mails away for a catalog advertising a comic book, hoping to gain the secrets of getting muscles quickly. Only to receive an instructional manual from a murder cult as old as a human race. When the cult's The Method plan starts to work, Strood finds himself not only stronger and faster than before, but also just a little more homicidal than he expected. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, Justin Jordan, he will be, um, yeah, he'll be adapting his work for the big screen. So uh, there is that. Um, also, people, uh, Phillips Nagy has a new film coming, um, which will be called Cool Jane. It's going to be starring Sigourney Weaver, Kate Mara, Elizabeth Banks, and Rupert Friend. Um, and we've got Hayley Shaw and Roshan Sefi writing the script. So it's uh, basically about 
um, a 1960s housewife who unexpectedly falls pregnant. She then finds the Janes, an underground abortion movement led by Virginia. Um, the group saves her life and gives her a sense of purpose to help other women take control of their destinies. So there is that. Um, okay, so if you were a fan of um, ooh, the watch 2009 film Orphan, right? It was a creepy looking. Yeah, psychological horror film. Well, they are making a sequel. Uh, Orphan First Kill. So we're going to have Isabel Furman. She's returning. And Julia Stiles. She's joining the film project. Uh, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't watch it because... You know, I want to kind of avoid <laughs> some of these type of films. They're way too fucking creepy. Um, <laughs> so, William Brent Bell is going to be directing this. Um, so, yeah, you have that to look forward to. It's actually, people, it's a prequel. Hmm, okay. Yeah, it's going to be a prequel. All right, there you go. Um, so, hey, Pierce Brosnan and Helena Bonham Carter. You know what? For years, I've been saying her name is Helena Bottom Carter, but it's Bronnen. Who'd have known? I mean, she may have, but ah, there you go. You learn something new every day, people. But they have teamed up. For a new romantic comedy called Not Bloody Likely. Okay, so, um, yeah, this is, uh, it's basically, it, I think it's kind of some, um, it's a truish kind of story, really, people, which is, you know, that's always kind of uh, an interesting one. Um, and it is getting, well, basically, people, it's about, um, is it George Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion, right, and him putting that on, right, the first staging of the play in 1914, so, um, you know, Brosnan, he will play Shaw, and he has written his masterpiece um, and is determined for the great Miss Pat Campbell, Bonham Carter, to play the role of Eliza Doolittle in a staging of the production on the West End. But her casting, but is her casting just a chance for sure to rekindle his once great love, the one that got away? So, uh, yeah, there you go, people. There you go. Have that to um, look forward to. Um, Danny Trigg, he's, um, he's going to be in a new film, okay, uh, which is um, a true story. 
Uh, it's called American Sicario. Okay. Um, so, uh, Philip, Philippi Haddy, she's uh, gonna, she's leading in the cast along with Edgar Valdez Villaria. Um, and uh, it's about a Mexican drug lord and a high ranking lieutenant. Of the now disbanded Bellatron Leela Cartel. So, uh, yeah. Okay, oh, my bad. It's about Edgar Valles Villarreal, right? Um, so, yeah. I know. Trig is, um, he's playing Pedro, the father of the drug lord's partner, Gloria. Hmm, I guess this is going to speak to all those Narcos fans, right? And, uh, yeah, Danny Treek, he's always a good one to watch. So, um, Scott Derrickson, he's, uh, yeah, he's got a new film, right? I think when he stepped away from the Doctor Strange uh, sequel, people wondering what he's going to be doing next. Well, he is, uh, yeah, going to be directing Black Phone, right? Um, now, it's based on Joe Hill's novella of the same name, and it's coming through Bloomhouse and Universal, right? So, um, it's going to be starring Mason Thames. And Madeline McGraw And um, it's about a young man abducted and locked in the basement That's stained with the blood of half a dozen other murdered children In the cellar with him is an antique phone That's been disconnected, right? But at night it rings with calls from the dead. Woo! I, it sounds creepy as hell. Uh, so yeah, we have that one coming. Uh, Roger Cargill will co-write the script. Um, and Jason Bloom, Joe Hill will executive produce. So, also, Jordan Peele seems to be um, the go-to for, uh, you know, reworking old horror films, right? He's involved with the, you know, the new Candyman that will be dropping next year. And, they, you know what I mean? He's just got involved with a... Um, a remake of Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs. Yep, that is right. It is uh, being produced by Wynne Rosenfield um, and Peel. I think he's not directing, but I think he. I think he's probably going to be um, writing, co-writing kind of thing. Um, yeah, along with also producing the film, 
so Netflix have got a couple of films um, coming. So one of those is a, uh, a post-apocalyptic uh, feature which is uh, called Black Crab. Okay, so it's an adaptation of Jerko Wildberg's novel of the same name and it's going to be starring Naomi Rapace okay so um it's it is so basically yeah you know the world has gone to shit it's, it, there's a war and an endless winter and the film will follow six soldiers who are sent on a dangerous mission across the fo- frozen sea to transport a package that could finally end you know all the bloodshed so um adam berg is um writing and directing the feature uh with malin idval um matthias montero producing so um also at netflix will be a, a new film called munich yeah, not a remake of the Spielberg feature, but uh, this is, um, yeah, this one is written by Ben Power, okay, and um, it is uh, starring Jeremy Irons, George McKay, Janice Nilwahan, um, Liv Lisa Fries, Sandra Huller. And August Deal, right? Um, oh, as long with Martin Wuttle, all right? So, um, yeah, basically, uh, Christian Schwulwulz is uh, directing, um, and I think Robert Harris is um well it's an adaptation of a robert harris book right so it's set just before world war ii so we're in 1938 and um you know hitler is just about to invade czechoslovakia so neville chamberlain the uh british prime minister at that time he uh he is trying to you know find a way to stop all the crazy so um yeah they send Hugh Leggett to uh, a peace meeting in Munich with a German diplomat Paul von Hartmann um yeah but as you know they're trying to work things out there's a political plot that threatens their lives so a lot of intrigue people a lot of intrigue so um you know what let's end with this one because it looks like shakir kapoor will be um yeah coming back to the world of film you know uh, his last feature was Elizabeth the Golden Age, which I really enjoyed though that and the original Elizabeth film. Right, so um yeah, 
we're getting a new feature. This one is, uh, it's a bit of, it, it sounds like it's a rom-com, right? And it's starring Emma Thompson, Lily James, and Shazad Latif. Right, so um, it's called What's Love Got To Do With It? And it's coming through Studio Canal and Working Title. So um, it's dealing with love and marriage and it's set between London and South Asia. So uh, yeah, hopefully, you know what I mean? It will uh, be as good as Kapoor's previous work. But people, that's us. Okay, so we will uh, catch you next next Thursday. All right, enjoy your film watching. Peace.